Yes, this week we're going to consider six verses. Next week we're going to consider three and a half chapters. Just the way uh, it's, it goes sometimes in the Old Testament. And uh, we're going to work through uh, this big showdown between Yahweh and Egypt. All right, let's get into it. Exodus chapter 7, starting with verse 8. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, Prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff, cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men, the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became certain serpents, but Aaron's staff swallowed up theirs. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. God, as we come to your passage, this word, your, this passage, God, we pray that you would be with us, that you would be with the preaching, the hearing, the receiving, the believing of this, your word, that it would do good work in our hearts, giving us a joyful hope, a hopeful joy, a confidence in you, your faithfulness, your power, your grace, and your word. God, we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. I love a boxing match that gets right after it. Like right after it, first round. You know, when no one wants to watch a boxing match and, and see the opening round with the boxers sliding around the ring, sizing each other up, taking a few jabs and counter jabs just to see what their opponent will do. I get it. There's a strategy there. I understand that. But truth be told, just as referee Mills Lane would say, let's get it on, that's what we want when we get to a boxing match. Mike Tyson didn't mess around in the first round. Once he got into the ring, it was over. The fury of Tyson would be unleashed. Do you know that Tyson had 22 first-round knockouts? 22. The first round of Yahweh versus Egypt gets right after it. There is no sizing up. There's no dancing around the ring. There are no weak jabs given. The fighters come out swinging. This is a fight. And when we look at this fight in the coming weeks, I want us to just rest in, trust in, and have hearts that are filled up with confidence in God's Word. That it would just motivate us all the more to, to have God's Word fuel our hearts and our lives. That we would trust the Lord. So we're going to look at this fight together. And my hope in the, today and in the coming weeks is that it just fuels in us an ever-increasing confidence and trust and delight in God and His Word. So let's dig into this. We are in round one, and just like any good sort of uh, Rocky movie, the, the, the storyline focuses in on the opening round, and then there's a video montage of all the other rounds, 
And then it focuses again on the knockout round, the, the winning round, the last round. And that's what we're going to do. So we're going to focus in, zoom in on round one. We're going to have our round montage next week as we look at the nine plagues. And then we will focus in on that knockout round, the death of the firstborn. But make no mistake, this is a fight. And round one reveals to us two things for our consideration today. First, there is a clear pattern that emerges. And we're going to even zoom out and telescope that out next week. But there's a clear pattern that emerges. And then two, secondly, there is a sure scorecard. And we're going to consider some of that and its application to our lives today. Round one, a clear pattern. Well, as we see here, there are fighters. And just at the start of a boxing match, we get to hear the introduction of the fighters. We have Yahweh on one side, and we have Egypt on the other. And they're an important cornermen in each side. And so on the side of Yahweh, we have Moses and Aaron. And on the side of Egypt, we have Pharaoh and all of his magicians. But make no mistake, this is a fight between Yahweh and Egypt. And it's a theological fight. It's among many things. Yes, God is set to rescue His people, but this is also very much a theological fight. Who is the one true God? Whose God is greater? Is it the Hebrews' God, or is it Egypt's God? Is it Yahweh or Pharaoh? Well, what do we know about Pharaoh so far? Is one, his heart is hardened, and it is unrelenting, and it's hardening and continuing to be unrelenting. In fact, he's here for the fight. He knows what this is, and he wants the fight. He's not messing around. He's not here for a dialogue. He is definitely here for the fight. He's not interested in discussion or debate or the exchanging of ideas. He wants to expose Moses and Aaron as frauds and their God as insufficient and non-existent. That's his goal. I assume that's why he even entertained them in his court, so as to embarrass them. He believes, Pharaoh believes, he is far superior, and as such, there is no way, no way, Moses and Aaron can match him. Yet, Yahweh is also very clear about what he's set to do. I mean, this is, this is a fight. And what is Yahweh set to do? Well, Last week we considered uh, the beginning portion of chapter 7, and in verse 5 is crucially important for us. I'm going to look at that verse in two parts. Because in that verse we see all of Yahweh's main objective succinctly put. First part, the Egyptian, Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. His intention 
is that they'll know that I am Yahweh. I am the I am. I am greater. I am the one true God. And that what they are holding on to is false and will be dismantled. Five more times in this exchange between Yahweh and Egypt in the coming chapters, five more times, God reiterates this through Moses so that they will know who I am. Yahweh's intention is very clear. Second part of verse 5. When I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. So not only is he going to come and show and display that he is the one true God, he is more powerful than their entire belief system and everything that they're holding on to, he's also going to go about rescuing his people. So he's going to show that he is the true God, and he's going to show that by dismantling their whole belief system and rescuing his people from under their slavery that they were under. His intentions, God's intentions, are overwhelmingly clear. To bring complete, total, devastating victory over Egypt. And all that is false. And all that says it is greater than he. Total, complete, devastating victory. Pharaoh wants to expose Moses and Aaron as frauds and say their God is a phony. And God says, I'm going to completely decimate you in rescuing my people. I, I, that's not on the felt board when you were a kid, is it? <laughs> but that's the seriousness by which God cares so much about his name, his glory, his promises, and his people. And that should be for us a wonderful encouragement. Now there's also this whole fight. This whole fight. This pattern that we will see. We, we, we first of all find that Pharaoh is barking. And Moses and Aaron... All they do is throw down. Literally, but also I'll, I'll, I'll use the metaphorical throw down. No time is wasted in this fight. I mean, it is on. When you read in seven, chapter 7, verse 10, Aaron threw down his rod, it turned into a serpent, and we know this came after Pharaoh barked at them for proof. Keeping in mind, his goal was just simply to embarrass them. In verse, in verse 9, Yahweh said that's his goal. That's what he's going to do. But notice Moses and Aaron, following the Lord's leading, took the fight to Pharaoh. Pharaoh barked, but the first punch thrown came from Moses The rod into the serpent is certainly in a very exciting, mysterious, and it, and it definitely feels like it belongs in an Indiana Jones movie. But it is, without a doubt, a full-on attack. This is a boxer coming out of the corner, swinging in the beginning of the first round, not sizing up, not dancing around, swinging. And I say that for two reasons. One, 
Pharaoh was wearing a crown on his head. And very prominently placed in the front of the crown is a very huge emblem of, a, of an enraged cobra. And this enraged cobra on the front of Pharaoh's crown represented symbolically Pharaoh's divinity and his awesomeness. It was communicating out that Pharaoh is the incarnation of the gods and he is supreme over everything. It's not an accident that these rods turned into serpents. God came out swinging. Secondly, the magicians, and we'll get to them in a moment, they had a a myth that they were living out. They were trying to live out this, this idea that they could take inanimate objects and bring them into existence in, as, a, as a living thing. There was a, a, a mythical story of how one of these magicians had this little carved alligator, threw it in the Nile, and it turned into a real one, and then reached in, and it turned back to the little carved image. So there's this like folklore, this, this mythos, this whole idea that these magicians were the best, that they, that they were awesome and, and nothing could top them. And there's God. Taking an inanimate object and turning it into a serpent. Attacking the entire belief system of the Egyptian cultists. Now, let's take into account these magicians. Look again at verse 11. There are four things stated about them. Verse 11, let's read that again. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret art. Four things are said of these magicians. First one is that they're wise men, that they literally possessed a know-how. That they knew how to do stuff. And that their knowledge of this doing stuff was pretty advanced. Secondly, what do we see listed there? Sorcerers. So what kind of stuff did they know how to do? Well, they knew they had a a deep knowledge of the occult arts. They, They had this profound understanding of how to execute the occult arts. And then we see them described as, number three, magician, excuse me, magicians, which put them at the top tier, like they are top tier priests in their occult. So what Pharaoh has in his courtroom, at his disposal, is the very, very best, the very, very highest of priests, if you will, within their pagan occult worship practices. And then fourthly, we see that they were able to execute these secret arts. Enchantments, literally, enchantments. So they had deep know-how of how to possess and execute things that they should have probably never meddled with. And they were the very best that Pharaoh had. The very best. Moses and Aaron did not have such training, understanding. They were just simply to do what the Lord commanded them. Now, we find 
that some very big punches are being thrown in this opening round. One of the biggest punches is just this word for serpent. The Hebrew word for serpent isn't the ordinary word that one would use to say serpent. It's actually a word that would be used for dragon or monster or deep sea creature. And the whole idea of what is transpiring here is the enormity and terrifying hostility of the entire scene that's being played out in front of Moses, Aaron, and Pharaoh in this court. Huge snakes are fighting each other. This is a fight. It's not the exchanging of ideas, a discussion, a dialogue, or a debate. It is a fight over whose God is most God. And in this, we see an incredibly important pattern revealed. What we find here in the first round of Yahweh versus Egypt is a microcosm of the fight as a whole. You see the whole fight in one round here. We see this pattern play out later over the plagues. Pharaoh is hardened. Yahweh is more powerful. And something incredibly significant to the whole system of Egypt is dismantled. God is in the business of rescuing His people. He's also in the business of defending His name and His glory. And here they come together. Now, that pattern is crucially important as we move through the plagues. And so is the scorecard. The scorecard. We have a sure scorecard when God fights for His people. So in boxing, at the end of a round, there are judges that are watching the boxing match ringside. And they award points. They're grading according to their standards the fight that they're watching. And each boxer gets a set of points. And so these judges award points. The most that you can get from a judge is a 10. After round one, Yahweh has all 10s. All 10s. The reason why I say that Yahweh has all 10s is found in verse 12. So those magicians showed up, they did their thing, each man cast down his staff, and they became certain serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staff. Aaron's serpent swallowed up all the other magicians' serpents. We don't know how many magicians were present, we know it was more than one, and we know that all of them lost all of them. This was a complete and devastating win on behalf of Aaron. And that idea of swallowed up, that idea of something being swallowed up is conveying a complete and total annihilation, a 
devastating victory. And in fact, here, now we have Yahweh and Pharaoh meeting off, squaring off now. And then we find that swallowed all the way at the very end of Yahweh and Pharaoh squaring off. We find it again in verse, or excuse me, in chapter 15, verse 12. Moses celebrating the victory over Egypt, the deliverance of the people, singing a song of celebration, references the the victory over Pharaoh in the Red Sea in this way in 15 verse 12. You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. Book ending the entire fight between Yahweh and Egypt is devastating victory. Smaller scale in round one. Again, it's this pattern that will be played out over the entire story. But swallowed up, devastating victory in round one. In even greater measure in Exodus 15, when celebrating the victory over Pharaoh and his approaching army in the Red Sea as they are swallowed up. Friends, God is about that total, complete, full victory for His people. Not partial. There isn't anything hanging in the balance. He devastates His enemies and He fully rescues His people. Friends, this is not the only place where swallowed up victory is mentioned in the Bible. There's an even greater one referenced in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where God displays His even more ultimate victory over what enslaves us, sin, death, Satan. And what is said in 1 Corinthians 15? Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Sin and death and Satan are far greater enemies on your soul than Pharaoh and Egypt and magicians. And, and God's power is on most incredible display through the person and work of Jesus Christ who swallows up sin, death, and Satan in victory in His life, His death, and His resurrection. And that swallowing up is total, complete, devastating victory over God's enemies and the ultimate deliverance of God's people so that they could dwell with Him in glory. That is your sure scorecard. That is the faithfulness and power and grace and kindness and compassion and jealousy and confidence of God. He doesn't waver. He wins. Well, 
What does this mean for us? We need so desperately, so daily, we need to feed our weak, wobbly, wandering hearts the leave no doubt truth of God's Word. We need to feed our hearts the thing that stabilized Moses and Aaron in the face of enormity in terms of the opposition. Looking at paper, it would seem like Egypt and Pharaoh and the magicians outclassed Moses and Aaron. And Moses, as we've said, was very, very reluctant to even be there. But here he is. This is two weeks in a row now. Moses and Aaron did what the Lord commanded. What stabilized their hearts, God? What stabilized their weak, wobbly hearts, God's, God did. God's Word did. God's presence with Him did. Friends, what will stabilize your heart and all the things that are going on in your life, in your family, in your world, in the things that you struggle with, what can stabilize your heart in the things that look like way overwhelming enemies to your own soul? The God of your Bible. And you know Him by being in the Bible of your God. When we dig into God's Word daily as if we need it to live, we have an unlimited resource available to our hearts to strengthen us when we feel fearful, to embolden us when we feel opposition, to convict us when we are staggering about with sin, to lead us when we feel aloof as to where to go. If we don't dig deeply and feed our hearts on this, then how could we have any confidence in a world that would be so overwhelming? How could we have any joy in the midst of things that would just kill any fleeting hope of joy. How can we know? If this the Word of God doesn't rule and reign in our hearts. And when we are in this Word, we find that God cares very much about His promises, His Word, His purpose. He cares deeply about it, so much so that he's going to take all of the cost. And he will not forget or fail. When we dig into this word and it feeds our hearts, we find that not only does God care very much about his promises, he cares very much about his people. His people. He will not lose any of His people. No matter how great or how small, no matter how significant or insignificant our names might be, He 
does not lose track. He will not lose any of His people. He cares very much about His people. Thirdly, when you dig into God's Word and it feeds your heart, you realize that God cares very much about His glory. That He is God and there is no other. Isaiah 42, verse 8. I am the Lord that is my name, my glory I give to no other. Friends, your greatest good is to bask in God's glory. And how do we bask in the glory of God but through the gospel of His Son, Jesus Christ? And as we do, little by little, Our hearts are strengthened. Little by little, degree by degree, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, our lives begin to reflect a sure scorecard. Our hearts in this world desperately need to feed on the word of our God. Moses and Aaron's hearts were stabilized by God's word. And so it is for ours. We cannot have sure, steady, stable hearts in the face of serpents and sin and overwhelming circumstances if we are not in the word, knowing the word, believing the word. Either our hearts will harden or they will go So let us be regular in personal devotions. Yes, let us be regular in the habit of meeting together. And let us be regular in the habit of meeting together to be in God's Word, reading it aloud together, thinking on it deeply together, encouraging and applying it together, knowing our God together. And be encouraged, friends. Be encouraged by what you read. Be encouraged by what is on display. God cares about His promises, His people, and His glory, and that for our good. When the bell rung for round one, Egypt's bell was rung by the God who sees his promises through and delivers his people for his glory. Let's pray. God, we thank you. As we come to your word, we find in it an incredible display of your character, your worth, your goodness, your power, your majesty, your grace. So overwhelming, it, it overwhelms my heart. God, I pray that as it overwhelms, it also would strengthen and fuel and help us to live for you in a world that is hard. 
a world that feels hardened and unrelenting. God, may we have confidence in you and your word, and may it inspire us all the more to know you, to love you, to follow you. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, would you please stand for the benediction? And then just by way of reminder, as you go to exit, where you exit out this front door and just move down the uh, driveway, you can fellowship outside, enjoy the company, catch up with each other, um, but just start in this section and move out and then move across the room so that those who are over here, you're last, but that's okay. Um, something about being best and last or all that, I don't know. Anyway, um, just remember to move out that way. All right. Go with this benediction from the end of Romans chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen and amen.